Welcome to Health System CIO's podcast interview with Brian Norris, CNIO at Indiana University Health. In part two, Norris talks about the critical role CNIOs and informatics leaders play in creating a bridge between IT and clinical, the low-hanging fruit that leaders need to leverage to reduce the burden on nurses and increase satisfaction, and why he believes it's critical to always lead with the why. It's interesting, too, when you look at what distinguishes the CNIO and the CNO role, and I'm sure that that also <laughs> depends on a lot of factors, but do you you work with the CNO? Yeah, I have a lot of CNO customers. So here at yeah. IU Health, um, we have a chief nursing executive uh, at the system okay. level, and then we have two associate chief nursing executives at the system level. And then we have, um, within each one of our facilities, we have a chief nursing officer at minimum. Some of ours also have associate chief nursing officers. And then we also have regional CNOs. And so each one of them is a customer. And my informatics group, we're very fortunate. We have about um, 80 informaticists across IU Health that work every day with them, as well as our physician leaders and, you know, helping advance uh, our clinical workflow and in practice. So I work very closely with the CNO. Being the first CNIO here, I feel very fortunate. You know, I get to be part of that nursing leadership team. And so while, you know, my role isn't always as focused on nurse staffing or some of the operations of nursing Mm -hmm. as theirs is, um, I also get the opportunity to sit and listen to some of the challenges that they face. And then maybe be able to go back to the technology side and translate that back to folks that might be able to come up with solutions for those problems and then bring them back. And so I I think it's imperative, no matter what role the CNIO plays, that they are hyper-connected, not only with their CNO, but their CME and their operational leadership. So there is somewhat of a bridge effect to what you do. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Our CNOs do amazing things every single day. I mean, a lot of their focus tends to be more operational Mm -hmm. in our facilities and they have a huge scope and span at some of our facilities. And so the CNIO, I always tell them my role is to help listen and hear what you guys need and then help translate that back and vice versa. When there's initiatives that are happening on the IIS side, to be able to translate that why back to them uh, as to, hey, you know, I know nurse staffing's tight right now, but I need 10 nurses to come help validate this. And here's why that's important to you. We, we do have those types of conversations. Yeah. So it really is important to have that the foundation in place where, you know, you can have those conversations and that there's a trust there. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So when you mentioned the, the virtual RN before, um, mm-hmm. that seems like something that could also kind of speak to, you know, what we are seeing with the shortage and trying to automate where we can, but can you talk a little bit more about some of the ways that, you know, technology can assist? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things. So one is sort of the automation, whether that's via virtual nursing or robotics, looking at what tasks could we take off the plate of the frontline nurse while still delivering as good or better outcomes to our patients? And there are a lot of them. So you've got, you know, the virtual RN type modalities, and then we're starting to see a lot of potential in robotics. And, you know, as you think about, you know, the ability maybe to go fetch something, go get chemotherapy, for example, from the pharmacy, or go get bed to a, a blanket, 
and start to move some of that support mechanism into nursing. The second is around the staffing itself. You know, traditionally nursing has had a very traditional sort of model around hours per patient day and kind of very set, the budgets are set well in advance and you measure and monitor to that. Less traditional has been the ability to see the variance and actually be able to predict out, you know, what might I need nursing wise and what skill sets might I need and how best to match and then how, how to think about that care team. And so we're thinking about and focusing in each one of those areas as we move forward as a system. The third is just understanding where your nurses are at and mm-hmm. uh, measuring and monitoring and understanding burnout and the drivers of burnout. And not always is that technology. Sometimes it is. Sometimes, you know, reducing burden within the EMR, as an example, if you can take 5, 10, 15% of that time back from charting and give it back to the front line. That's, that's a meaningful impact. And so we continue to kind of comb through and try to understand ways we can reduce that burden as we move forward. Because we're not unique. A lot of systems put in EMRs and now they're, they're in an optimization phase of those Mm -hmm. EMRs or an optimization phase of their technologies. And so I think, I still think there's a lot of low hanging fruit in terms of give backs to not only nursing, but all of our clinicians in optimizing some of the things that they do. Yeah. Yeah. And is it almost like a, a chicken and the egg thing where you have to kind of get people off the floor to, to really get them accustomed to the technology and get their input. But then, you know, once that happens, you can see results, but I imagine that's tough too, though. Yeah, there's a, there's a little bit of chicken and egg, but I would say that the systems have evolved to where you can look at data and you can start to understand who my outliers might be. Yeah. Who's like charting two, three, four, five times the amount that somebody okay. else is, and then be able to start to understand why. Ask the questions of why are we collecting this information and who's actually mm-hmm. utilizing it and how often is it being accessed and you know, yeah. those types of very basic questions can produce very tangible results for the front line as you start to reduce some of that burden. I think the other is alerting fatigue. You know, there's been a lot of literature on alerting fatigue, both on the nursing and the providers. You know, mm-hmm. if you step into any any sort of monitored unit, you've got monitors going off, you've got mobile phones now that clinicians have to answer instead of the front desk line, they've got alerts going to those phone. Sometimes you've got alerts going to several different places. And so being mindful and thoughtful about those workflows, and and it kind of comes back to decentralization. If you can find somebody to kind of monitor some of that more centrally, you start to take some of that burden off the front line. So I think those are all opportunities that every CNIO across the country or informatics leader across the country should be asking themselves, what what am I doing within my organization to think about Mm -hmm. these yeah. And it's, um, it's really telling to me that you're using words like mindful and really trying to understand you know, what they go through. And I, I would think that's just so important for them to really understand that, that you have the same goals, but um, has to be approached carefully, I would think. Yeah, I think what's really important, and you have this with any role you take, is uh, humility. Mm-hmm. And having humility in the sense of understanding what your I call them a customer, but what those frontline nurses and frontline clinicians are going through, um, having the humility to, to take the time to understand and then come back with solutions. Now, not always are 
you're going to fix everything. And not always is everyone going to be happy about a change because changes change. And sometimes just change in general can be challenging, but being thoughtful about that. And, and really, I think the big thing that is helpful that I find helpful, we talk a lot about it as a team is leading with the why, like, why are we making this change? This change is to help reduce your EMR time, or this change is a regulatory change and it's because of this, or we're not really sure what this is going to end up in. This is what we think it's going to do. And here's our back out plan if we have it, or we need you to put this piece of information in, but this is going to help us better predict X, Y, or Z. Like just yeah. being very clear about the why sometimes it just really helps people understand what exactly it is you're asking. Them. Yeah. And now looking at your own career, you said that you had previously been with Marathon Health, but um, came here about a year and a half ago. So I guess first, what was it that made you want to uh, to come to this organization to get back into the provider side? Yeah, that's a good question. So I've had a very non-traditional path, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, so my first foray in informatics was I worked for a health system in Fort Wayne, Indiana, called the Lutheran Health Network. And I was a floor ICU nurse working in the CCU. And uh, they had opened an informatics role, and I kind of fell into it. I actually didn't even know what the profession was. I just loved computers. Yeah. I loved the ICU. I got to do both. So I was like, this is phenomenal, right? Well, they were owned by a much larger health system called Triad Hospitals. And long story short, I ended up the director of informatics for the for Triad as a company. And that's where I got, you know, kind of my first big system taste. They were a very large idea and, and we were trying to do something at the time that was well in advance of the high tech act and standardizing EMRs. And I learned a ton there. And my goal has always been to impact patients. And so in the ICU, I could impact two patients at a time and their families at a time. As an informaticist, I can impact thousands and thousands and thousands of patients. And so that's kind of how I look at the profession. So I left that role and spent some time on the consulting side with Deloitte. And then I, I kind of came back full circle into a regional CNIO role working for Catholic Health Initiatives. And then after that, I took a break from IDN or from health systems and went into the, the value-based care arena was really exploding. And so um, spent some time doing my own company and then spent some time at a company called Allidate in the Medicare ACO space and then spent some time at Marathon Health, as I mentioned, in the value-based care arena. And yeah. part of what led me to take this role here was my hypothesis that you could take somebody with that background, with value-based care and entrepreneurial sort of spirit bring them back full circle into a health system and have them help drive rapid change, kind of creating the CNIO of the future, if you will. And so that's what really excited me about this role was there really wasn't a set path because it's the first in the organization. And there was a desire from the leadership to try and and change and do something different. And so in the last year and a half, I've been here and, and it's been, it's been really good. Yeah. That is really interesting. And um, it is almost like in a way rewriting the script or at least offering another take on, you know, this is also what a CNIO can look like, you know, because there's there's so many different great opportunities. But when you talk about, you know, population health and value-based care and having those experiences and bringing them in, I think it shows how this role really is evolving. Yeah, yeah I think so. And I think we'll see more and more of it. And a lot of the leaders of the, the help 
forge even the infirm CNIO roles in the industry. I've been very lucky to get to know some of them. And they always, before population health was called population health, they've always seen informatics as part of that role. You know, even if you look all the way back to like Florence Nightingale, well, Flor- what was Florence doing? Well, she was doing data analysis in the middle of a war. Yeah. And so, you know, I think we'll continue to evolve. Yeah. And um, I think that it's more typical than not, at least for the people I speak to, to not have necessarily a linear traditional career path because, you know, we're just seeing so much more variety, even to different roles, you know, CIO, CMIO. And it's only, I think, going to benefit the industry, especially when you do come from somewhere where things can be done a little quicker. (laughs) Yeah, I think you're going to see more diverse backgrounds in all of those roles, especially as you're starting to see other organizations like Amazon and Google and, you know, the Walmarts and sort of the non-traditional health systems of the world coming into the value-based care arena and offering different models. So, you know, we've got to think differently. You've got to have a different mindset. And in a lot of ways, health systems haven't always thought that way. And, Mm -hmm. And I think, I think there's a huge opportunity and a recognition. Now, one role in, a, in an organization of this size isn't going to change that dynamic all the way it takes a village. But I think the role of the CNIO can be a really good thought partner, especially to the CME of the organization on as you're making these changes, as you're having to navigate these new care models, here are some of the things that could help benefit and some of the technologies that might be able to ease that burden along the way. Yeah kind of started to answer that question but the one thing I was going to ask is when when you look at CIOs and how they could maybe work with CNIOs more effectively or just it was is there anything you could offer like you know a, a way that they could really leverage the role it's an interesting question so I think you know more and more systems are starting to have CNIO roles um, it's mm-hmm. become more more the norm than not the norm mm-hmm. the reporting lines are all different Sometimes they report to the CNO, sometimes they report to the CIO, sometimes they report in somewhere else, sometimes they have reporting lines. I, I think that probably the best way to think about it is in partnership. It's really that triad leadership of the CIO, the CMIO, and the CNIO working in concert together to help yeah. drive things forward. And, and you know, each brings a unique perspective and they should respect that. But at the same time, I think, you know, what we're going to continue to see is an evolution of, you know, those three partner together. And I actually think that you're going to start seeing more CNIOs in particular start taking like CDO and CIO like roles. Um, Mm -hmm. We've seen that in the CMIO space. You're starting to see more physicians in that CIO role. I think you'll start seeing some more of that on the nursing side as well. Yeah. Yeah, and, and digital is kind of a whole, <laughs> it's a whole other thing because what, as far as what we're seeing with roles, but it seems like in a lot of organizations, it's part of so many different roles that yeah. obviously leads into a lot. Yeah. yeah, and if you think about, in particular, health systems, they've made multi-million and sometimes billion, multi-billion dollar investments in electronic medical records. And now consumers are, they want Uber. They want fast. They want, cons- they want it now. They want it where they're at. They want to be able to access their records in different ways. They want their providers to have that information. They don't want to have to wait three weeks for an appointment. They want to be able to get instant access and and get their problem solved. And so the CIOs of the future 
are going to have to really deliver that plan. It's not just about how do I keep the infrastructure moving? How do I keep the EMR going? There's a lot around security and privacy, certainly. But by and large, it's it's going to be about how do I create this consumer experience that's, digi- that's digitally driven in a lot of ways to help support the expectations of an evolving consumer base. I mean, my kids are 13, 8, and 5, and they don't know a world without some form of digital capability. And you know, if you watch them, they really expect a different experience. And I have to imagine that when they become very constant and hardcore healthcare consumers, yeah. that if I told them they couldn't get an appointment for a month, or if I told them that they had to go print off their paper record, they probably wouldn't be consumers of that organization. Anymore. Yeah. And so okay. we have to think about what's this next generation going to want? What's this next generation need? And the technologies that they're growing up with that don't have anything to do with healthcare are bleeding into their expectations of their healthcare. Oh, absolutely. I have uh, I have twins who are ten. So when we went through everything with COVID, getting used to online uh, that was a snap for them. Yeah. They're like okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was. Well, and I watch my kids. My kids they get online and they play you know Roblox and video games, mm-hmm. interacting socially. And they have just a very different expectation. Yes. And if we think about what we're building for, not only now and in the future, that's the consumer market that we're going to have in the future. And they're pushing. It turns out that the 65 on up crowd is not digitally savvy. Well, it turns out that they're some of the biggest users of technology because they've had to learn how to use it to stay connected with their families during the pandemic. And so that's no longer an applicable stance. Yeah. I mean, in many ways, they expect the ability to virtualize in a loved one when they need it during their care. Um, Yeah. And they will make a choice whether they come or go uh, to those to those people that provide that care. And so I think we spend a lot of time thinking about it. We we certainly haven't. uh, I don't think any organization in in the world has fully solved it, um, but there's a lot of opportunity. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.